And um, tomorrow is Tainus Esther. So we are, Purim is upon us. And um, tonight we're going to talk about being a reliable person, and hopefully that will lead us to Mordechai. Mordechai's resilience. I hope it will. Let's see what happens. Um, basically, this is the thought that I had in my mind when I was thinking about Mordechai. There is a, um, again, the altar of Kelm in his Chachmo Musser in volume one, number 42. He has a piece called Omani Choma, I Am a Wall. He says like this. Let's read a little bit of it. I will write succinctly, very succinctly. Nehemiah, it says in the Torah, Hashem you have to love, love Hashem your God. We, we know where that passage is. Okay. Um, in case we don't know, it's Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 5. Hashem you should love Hashem your God. Certainly we, uh, we don't really have love for Hashem. It's not really an easy thing to do. To, to, to love a being that we cannot see, that we cannot feel, we cannot touch, we don't even know where he is. And to feel an emotion for Hashem, it's very difficult. So he says like this, he says, Let's, uh, We're going to show here in this little talk about how we can approach that. He says, A person can be judged by the people that they're close to. People that they're close to probably share the same character traits, the same personality, the same values. So if they hang out with a certain group of people, a person can be judged. It can be assumed that perhaps maybe they also have the same values <coughs> as that group. Birds of a feather. Yeah. Two peas in a, two peas in a pod. You know, you know, all of the, yeah. All right. Vilama Kihiskarv was Bormiava because what where where does the closeness come between two individuals, between husband and wife, between friends, between neighbors, between teammates, between uh workers? Where is where does the closeness come from? It comes from Miava, it comes from love. There is a certain measure of love between the two individuals. It doesn't have to be like a strong love, but there is a certain um <coughs> People like each other. They hang out with people that they like. So love comes from love comes from similarity. Two people are similar. They're close. They're considered to be close. That's where the love builds. Therefore, a person can be judged with who they are equal to. <coughs> And therefore, if we can accomplish some type of e- uh, equality with the Rabbana Shalom, with the, with the master of the universe, meaning that if we can share a value, we can share a character trait with Hashem, then from that, right, that from that will stem love from us to, to Him. Because like we just said, the, the love comes from similarity. So if we can make ourselves similar to Hashem, then in some way we can fulfill the mitzvah of Hashem, 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 Hashem
So he says, how would we do that? How would we achieve a closeness to Hashem through emulating Him? He says, and that would be, we've spoken about this many times before, is walking after Hashem's ways, like the Gemara instructs us in Soita 14a and Shabbos 133b. That there's a mitzvah to follow in Hashem's ways. Hatava with being good, and also being able to bear a burden, a challenge, patience. Kimavur If you want to, if you want to um, study this particular dynamic between us and the Rabbanu Shalom, then you should study the book called the Tomer Devar, the Palm Tree of Devar. It's translated into English. If you guys are interested. You can you can give it a give it a look. <coughs> But there's another character trait that we can emulate, and this is the topic of our of our of our um, of our talk this evening is ubenemonis, of veracity, of of uh, sorry not veracity but reliability more, reliability. We can emulate reliability. Pirish blishum shimaiklal without any change at all. Kemoshinemar, like it says in the pasuk. Ha Elohim Ha Neman. Hashem is Neman. He can be relied upon. If Hashem says that he's going to do something or that something is going to happen, he can be relied upon. That there's not there's not going to be any any change in that, right? As the Ramban says, Pirish Ramban Upirish Ramban, the Ramban explains. At least he quotes the Ramban here on the bottom of the notes, they say it's a Sefuno. Pirish Blishum Shinoi Cloud. Hashem will not change at all. If he says something, then it's going to be the way that he says it's going to be. That's the way it's going to be. And therefore, it is upon us to be the type of people that when we say something, it doesn't change. We say we're going to be somewhere, then we're going to be somewhere. We say we're going to be somewhere at a particular period of time, time, five o'clock, then we're there at five o'clock. All right, give or take five minutes. I don't know what the, uh, the standard is. Fifteen minutes for a professor, I remember for college, it's fifteen minutes. You know, like you can walk out, the, the etiquette was, you walk out of class if, you don't, if the professor doesn't show up fifteen minutes. So we say we're going to be somewhere, we, we're there. We're there. Some people I know I make appointments with, I know I have leeway. I have 15, 20 minutes before, you know, the time that we make up. Some people I know I have to be there five minutes before the time. They're always on, they're always on time. They're always there. So, and with our actions. And to be people of reliability as much as possible. And when that happens, when we become reliable people, then we become equal to Hashem. There is a similarity, not equal, but a similarity between us and Hashem. Once we become a reliable person, then we can, we can appreciate what it means to be reliable. And once we appreciate what it means to be reliable from our own actions, then we can appreciate Hashem's reliability. Once we can appreciate Hashem's reliability, then we can come to some measure of respect 
of Hashem, and perhaps maybe love. Because love, again, as we said before, stems from, stems from, love stems from similarity. And that way we can fulfill the mitzvah of Ahavtas Hashem Lokiacha. We can fulfill the mitzvah of love Hashem your God, yeah? Can you clarify a, a quality of reliability? In other words, people can be reliable in certain things and not so reliable in other things. So when you talk about reliable, are you talking about between man and man, not necessarily between man and God? Or are you talking about both the same and equally? Can I qualify reliability? Not really, not more than I said. I gave an example because there are so many different I know. circumstances that one would have to make a judgment for their own life of whether they would apply that and how they would apply it. But there's such a thing as being a reliable person. People say, you know, he or she is a reliable person. I can count on them. You know, I would go, I would fall back, I would fall backwards, I would fall backwards and I would, I would be confident that they'd catch me. You know, I can rely on that person. Then they will be able to tell the difference between themselves and people. They will see that Hashem's goodness and His, Hashem's goodness and His reliability is without, is without end. And then behold, we become a little bit equal to Hashem. We're in His company. Right, as much as our ability is capable. From that will be born a love of Hashem. Because we will know that reliability is, if we respect reliability, we're already respecting Hashem. If we respect reliability within ourselves, we see how beneficial it is. We see how, how it changes our lives. Or we respect reliability from other people then we see how, 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 uh, how, um, how good it is, what, what a good trait that is. Then we already, already appreciate Hashem because that's what Hashem is. Hashem is, and one of His attributes, a reliable person, a reliable being, a reliable deity. Umimela, and that will be, Yev Hashem Yisbrach Oiso. And therefore, and then what's going to happen if one loves Hashem, then there'll be reciprocity and Hashem will love him back. But why Hashem love him back is because Hashem will say, look at this person, he's just like me. He's just like I'm reliable. So till he's reliable. Ki'inyan, as it says in the Pasuk, it says, he says in Shira Shirim, chapter 8, 9, 10, Im choma if it's a wall, ani choma, I am a wall, Right, as daika hayisi beidav kimoitus sholem. If I am a wall, then I will be. I will be by him, like I found peace, meaning by Hashem. because truth endures forever. The signature of Hashem is truth, like the Gemara says in Shabbos on page ninety and fifty-five a. Because what is it, when a person is reliable, what are they really? They're true. If they say they're going to be somewhere and they're not there, that's false. If they say they're going to be somewhere and they are there, that's true. And what's the signature, what's the signet stamp of Hashem? Truth. Hashem loves truth. And we love truth if we're truthful people. Reliability means truth. It means to be a truthful person. 
it means, and being a truthful person in this case means endurance. Because what happens if a person says, I'm going to be there, right? They made a promise, or, which means what? They set in a trajectory of, uh, of, of, of them being in a specific place, let's say. I'm just using that as an example. It doesn't have to be, but we're, we're on that. That we're on that example. So what happened? There's a tra- there's sort of like a uh, unseen trajectory that a person is kind of on his way to that place, right? So if the person makes it to that place, there is endurance, meaning it's la- the, 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 the re- their, their trajectory endures, meaning it, it, it sustains, meaning it lasts, meaning it continues to last because they wound up being in the place. If they don't show up at that place, then that whole trajectory has, has collapsed. They're no longer there. They have not endured. So truth and endurance are synonymous. Something which is true doesn't change. Something which endures doesn't change. Truth and endurance are synonymous in that way. And that comes from reliability because when a person is reliable, there's endurance and there's truth. This is the sign of a true truth, clear truth. Hashem is himself as truth. If a person is a wall, this is a sign of truth. Then I, am go- I was in his eyes like I found peace. Hashem who is true loves a person who is true. And now we come to a very interesting two perspectives that the author says. <coughs> One of them is found in this mimer. He says there's an interesting Gemara in Ksubis on page 77b, which we discussed already before. We discussed this many times before. The Gemara says there an, a story, an unbelievable story. It says a story there with Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. That Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi... No, he met with the Malach Hamavis. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi met with the Malach Hamavis. He met with the angel of death. And the Malach Hamavis went to show him Ganeden. He went to show him the, the garden of... He meant to show him the garden of Eden. So, Rabbi Shua ben Levi tricked him. This is the way that the story in the Gemara. Rabbi Shua ben Levi tricked the Malach Hamavis and he jumped into Gan Eden, alive. He jumped into the Garden of Eden, alive. So, so there, immediately there was a Din Taira, immediately there was a judgment on whether or not he should stay there. So, the decisor of whether or not he should say there was the Rabban Shalom with Hashem. Should he stay in Gan Eden alive? So Hashem said, was there ever an oath that he made? Was Rabbi Shua ben Levi ever make an oath? That he didn't deliver on? No, he made an oath that he had to ask a Tamil Chacham, that he has to ask a Tamil Chacham to absolve him from the oath. Was there ever such a situation? Mm-hmm. Meaning he never, Rabbi Shua ben Levi, of course, he would keep an oath. But did he ever make an oath where he didn't follow through with the oath? Instead, he asked the Tamar Chacham to absolve him from it. And there's a mechanism, there's a whole, we have a whole Masechta devoted to the mechanism of how one can be absolved from a shvur, how one can be absolved from an oath. So they asked this, and they, they, they researched, and they figured out that Rabbi Shua ben Levi never made a shvur, he made a, never made an oath where he asked subsequently for the Chacham to absolve him from the oath. Asks the um, asks the, uh, the the altar. What do you mean? Well, Is it prohibited to absolve oneself from a note? 
It's built into the mechanism of oaths, of shvuas. The Torah says, if you can't keep the oath, you won't absolve yourself from the oath. You're allowed to absolve yourself. Well, you didn't do anything from prohibition. If you, if the time you go to the Talmud Chacham, you go to the uh, to the Torah, Torah scholar and you say, I, if I would have known or whatever, I didn't want to make this oath. And if he absolves you from it, you're absolved from it. We do it every single every kid. We say, call, uh, we say, uh, call Nitre. We absolve the whole congregation from us. What is it? Is there something prohibition with this? And think about it for a minute. Rabbi Shua ben Levi, Rabbi Shua ben Levi went into Gan Eden alive. How many people have a revelation that they go see the Malacham Avis? Not so many people in Shas we have that go see the Malacham Avis. That they see a Malach? That they see an angel? Rabbi Shua ben Levi must have been holding on a very high level. And then what? He jumps into Gan Eden alive. How many people have never died? Zero? No, no there are some people. We have Yaakov Avino, for example, in uh, Tainus, page 5b. Enoch and you have... Um, yeah, we have Serach Basosh, yeah. Tagamir and Semir Nazil and Parshas Pinchas. We have a lot of examples. We have Elio Anavi wow. in Malachim who went, uh, uh, that's an explicit Pasuk. He went a lot. We can count on our, on our fingers how many people went alive. Rabbi Shua Ben Levi is one of those people. Rabbi Shua Ben Levi is one of the people who went into, who, who, who never died. He went into Gan Eden. So he comes into Gan Eden and, 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 and so uh, let's ask, maybe he did some Lashon Hara. Obviously, he didn't do any, they couldn't do no Lashon Hara. Right? There's no Lashon Hara. So what they found, they found maybe there hasn't made an oath and then he absolved himself from the oath. Frek the altar, so what? There's no prohibition on that. What's wrong with absolving himself from an oath? Says Rabbi Shorbe, says the altar, he says like this, he says, Avala Pirish. What is required in order to absolve oneself from an oath? A person says, I promise that I'm not going to eat bread. Let's say. And then they want to absolve themselves from the oath. What is the reason why they absolve themselves from this oath? The reason why they absolve themselves from the oath is because... They regret that they made it. They don't want it. They said, I don't want to eat the bread. I'm not going to eat the bread. And now they regret it. They want to eat the bread. They want to change, right, their promise. A change, we said, is not MS. It's not reliability. So even though, listen to this, it's amazing, says the altar... Even though Rabbi Yeshua ben Levim Kirishoyli even though there's no problem with that, the person can regret the decision that they made, and they they can regret the decision they that they made, right? And they can absolve themselves by with the Tamar Chacham. But because in their spirit there is a change, there is a regret. They're not compatible with Hashem because Hashem is MS Hashem is true Hashem is like we said endures because endures because of that he lives forever Hashem is forever right Hashem doesn't change and therefore he is reliable and he is not equal to Hashem in a minuscule sense in that sense 
And therefore, and even though they're going to go to Olam Abba, and they're going to get reward for all their mitzvahs, but they can't go into Gan Eden alive. This is why he was not able to go in. Not because he did anything wrong, but because he wouldn't be similar to Hashem. This is what the... That's what the, uh, the altar says. Yes. Is that the same Shua ben Levi that prayed to have a visit with Eliyahu and Nabi, and he took him to three different play, examples of three different families or something, and things happened that this guy couldn't believe why but the first bad things happened to good left. people, oh. and then Eliyahu explained those things to him? No, I don't think it's the same thing. That's the same name, though, Shua ben Levi. I, I don't remember. No, no. So let's. No, no. This has nothing to do with this. Okay, let's keep going. Oh, uh, one more. Yeah, up that landing to the left. So now he says another. In, it's interesting. Now he says in a different mimer. He says in mimer. This was mimer number forty-two. In mimer number forty-four, he says. Oh, maybe we should mention. Maybe we should mention another point here. Um, maybe we should mention another point that he makes in Maimon number 43. So, this, a person needs to be, a person needs to be reliable. Let's mention this point. Here it's interesting, he's giving Musr, in number, Mimer number 43, he's giving Musr to somebody who promised him he's going to come visit him, he didn't come visit him. I heard that stealing, that if you tell someone you're going to be somewhere at a certain time, well, he says, and you're late, you're stealing their time. He, didn't, he doesn't say that, but he's giving him Musa. he's giving him Musa. he's telling him why he, did, he didn't show up, he didn't come, he promised to come, he didn't come. He's praising him, he says, you're, you're an unbelievable person, but you cannot make a promise and not fulfill it. He says like this. This is my number 43. He says, The main attribute of a person being, uh, that a person can be praised with, is that he should be a bar samcha. He should be a reliable person. Everything we've been talking about until now. That a person should be a reliable person. And there's very long discussion about this. That when you say yes and when you say no, it should be righteous. What is Chazal's expression when a person does not, is not reliable? When his yes is not a yes and when his no is not a no? He says, they are lacking amuna. They are lacking faith. They don't say that a person has to fulfill their words and not fulfill their words. Instead, they say there is mechusay amuna. This is the Gemara that says in Mabetzia, page 49. A, we talked about this in the real estate, Sanford. We talked about this one time in a real estate class about reliability. And what does Chazal, the Gemara over there says, remember the Gemara says, not only do you have to keep your word, the yes has to be a yes, but also if a person's yes is not a yes, they had lack faith, the Gemara says. On this, the altar picks up and he says, 
The words of the rabbis are always, their eyes are to hint, is to hint to greater things. That a person who is not, who's not reliable comes from a lack of faith. I know the way of this. I can't speak about this at length right now, but according to everything that we just said, if you think about it, it makes a lot, a lot of sense that a person lacks emuna if they're not reliable. Because it's the flip side of the coin. Of What do we say? That we said if a person wants to emulate Hashem, then one of the attributes that they should emulate is to be a bar samcha, to be a reliable person. And what? And once they're a reliable person, they're going to love Hashem, Right? That means they're going to understand that Hashem is reliable. But the opposite is also true. If they're not a reliable person, then they don't appreciate what Hashem is all about. And that is a little bit of a chesern of Amuna. That's a little bit of a chesern in faith of what Hashem is. Because if a person themselves is not reliable, then it means they're not similar to Hashem. That means they can't relate to Him. No, no one ever, no one ever relates their reliability to Hashem. And well, according to what we just, just explained. That's really powerful. Yeah. It really is powerful. So now he says, and this is the, the last thing before we try to get to Mordechai now, but this is the last thing we're going to say, is, in, is that in Mimer number 43, remember that Avram Avinu sent, Avram Avinu sent his servant Eliezer to go, to go and get a shirach from, uh, get, to go get a shirach for Yitzchak. And what did he say to him? He said to him, he made him swear. Remember, he made Eliezer swear. That what? Do not take a wife for my son from the, from the Canaanites. Don't do that. So he says, Make sure that my son does not return. I don't want my son to return to Canaan. They all discuss why Avram Avinu was such a... So makpid on it. Why Avram Avinu didn't want him to get... Didn't want to make a shirach with noise Canaan. Asks the author, he says, I never understood this. He says, I never understood this, that what Avram Avinu makes such a big deal with Eliezer to make him swear that he's not going to take from Nois Knan. Remember, Avram Avinu is making Eliezer a shliach. He's making him a messenger. He's giving him agency over his own actions. He's going to go and get for him what he wants. He says to him, don't get from the Nois Knan. Right? Don't get from the Nois Knan. So what happens if an agent doesn't follow the instructions? The agency is, 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 is an old. The agency is dissipated. He's no longer a shliach. If I send a shliach to buy me a, a, a soda from, from, from Safeway, and they go and buy it from, from, from CVS, I say, go get it from Safeway. They get it from CVS or vice versa. They have an older agency. The agency doesn't work anymore. They have, they're, absol- they're absolved. So what, what is Yaakov you know, making Eliezer swear for? If Eliezer does not keep the instructions, then there's no agency. Then he can't, Eliezer can't come back with a girl and say, now Yitzhak has to marry her. Avram Avinu will say, I didn't want anybody from the noise Canaan, so the agency is an oldest girl could go back. What is Avram Avinu so, so matpid? Why does he care so much to make Eliezer swear? So he says like this, he says, he says, Avram Avinu was, he proves it, Avram Avinu was a reliable person. He was a bar samcha. 
right? And one has to be, like, like the author said, this is the attribute that a person has to have. So it was, he says, Avram Avinu was so stringent by him that somebody should be reliable. He didn't, of course he knew that if Eliezer does not follow instructions, he will annul the agency. But that wasn't enough for Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu didn't even want him to annul the agency. Because if he would, it's not enough that the agency would be annulled. Because at the end of the day, Eliezer would not be a reliable person if he would take the wrong person. And Avram Avinu didn't want that they should be, his servant should be not reliable. So he didn't want to give him an out. He didn't want to give him an out, exactly. So therefore he made him swear that anybody comes out of Avram Avinu's house that when they say they're going to do something, they're going to do it. And even if they don't do it, it won't be halachically binding and it won't be binding with the agreement. doesn't matter. At the end of the day, he didn't want the agreement to be broken in the first place, even if they would dissolve the whole relationship. Therefore, he made him swear. Because Avram Avinu was a reliable person. Well, Alright, anyway, so that's, the, that's, the, uh, that's what the author says. And just one other thing that I want to point out which is connected maybe to, to, to other things also. But here, the, the, so in order to be a reliable person is a person has to be very strong of mind, right? Because a lot of times we change our mind because we don't have a confidence. And we don't have, sometimes we, we change our mind because we don't have a confidence. We don't have confidence in, uh, in our ideas or our, our, our convictions to the principles that we hold to be straight and true. So a lot of times we change our mind. We say, well, maybe, you know, maybe, um, maybe I was wrong. So we, we, we uh, what is it? We waver. We straddle between, between different <coughs> positions because we don't, we don't, have, we don't have, have confidence. And that, that eats away at our reliability. We become an unreliable person. It's because we don't have the strength of mind. Here in Mimer number 49, the altar says like this. He says, Vihine, the Kale Adas. People who have their minds are weak. Take of Yavo, Yehur, and believe them. They get thoughts in their hearts right away when they stand, stand, are standing fast with their decision, when they're ready, to, when they, they say they're going to do something. Maybe it's true that what other people are saying, maybe what I'm doing is wrong. Hashem doesn't want that. The gift that Hashem has given us. And what is that? Our soul that thinks, that has a mind, that has an intellect. That our mind should not be for emptiness and that should be, it should not be uh, wasted. wasted. Because a person who has a weak mind shows he has no mind at all. Our minds should be a fortified city. A wall. That's high. The wall can't be moved. No matter what winds come and blow at the wind, at, at the, at the, uh, at, at, at us. That's why we should be this, we should be this, what? That's why there's so much belly and neighbor going around. Correct. I had a Rebbe, I had a Rebbe 
he would come, he would make, uh, what's his name, Rab Chaim Kreisworth, the Rosh Hashiva of Megasatoira, the Rav of, uh, of, of, of um, what is it, of, um, I forget where he was the Rav, in Europe, uh, the Krok of Elu, he used to make a Mishaberach, when he got called up to the Taira, he used to make a Mishaberach. He would say, Le'ilui Nishmas, whatever person, it's for the Nisham of the person, Shani, whatever, Chaim Ben, whatever, giving me a dollar, right? Le'ilus Nishmasai. And he would never say the words, Blinether. He would say, I'm giving a hundred dollars for the Nisham. That's it. One time he came to Yeshiva. One time he came to Yeshiva and he said, whoever memorizes Ksubis, I will give them a thousand dollars. Or the first seven prokim, first seven chapters with Toysis. So there was four people that did it, or five people, and he came at the end of the year with $5,000 in cash, as promised. He showed up in Yeshiva and he called them up to the front of the crowd and he gave them each by the hundred, a thousand dollars. Rabbi? Yeah. It seems like <clears throat> when you get called up for a keyboard and you're giving a Mishnah Bayrock and you're talking to the Gabbai, he usually unilaterally inserts Bully Nether. Right, so you have to tell the Gabbai in advance, no Bully Nether. Really? I mean, you don't have to. I'm not saying you have to. You can do whatever you want. I'm saying uh, Blee Nether absolves you from, from right. keeping the promise. Right. right. Do whatever you what want. What's he promising when he says Blee Nether? Uh, it's an out. Like, without making a Nether or a Shavua, a commitment, um, it's, I have the intent mm-hmm. to do it. If I slip, don't hold me to it. Is that right, Rabbi? Yeah, Blee Nether means without, 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 without right. I'm, I'm saying that I'm going to give this money without an oath. You That's what I'm saying. Call that? Oh, I'm saying the Gabbai does it. That's, that's the issue. So we have, let's try to tie this into Mordechai, okay? So Mordechai, which incident would you think in the Megillah would illustrate what we're talking about here? Steadfastness, I am not bowing. Mordechai, Mordechai does not, Mordechai does not bow down to, uh, to, uh, to Haman. Does not bow down to Haman. Right? The Toysvis in Ksubis, page 61b. Toysvis asks, 60, wait, it's not Ksubis, Sanhedrin 61b. I have a side note when I'm asking you. Have a second. One minute, sorry, one, one minute. Sanhedrin 61b, do I have it with me? I guess not. It's in Shabbos, in Tractate Shabbos, maybe 72b? Tractate Shabbos 72b. Yeah. Tosis in Shabbos is 60. Uh, he says like this. Tosis in Shabbos 72b. Asks. Did you get $1,000 from Robert Kreisberg? He's not no. <laughs> of course he did. I did not. I came close, but not clo- but no cigar. <laughs> I thought he might. Have. He wasn't going to tell us. He says like this. Frank says Tosis. The question, Vim Toyma Vilamai, the Potter Rava, Amai Loishtach of Mordechai Lahaman, why didn't Mordechai bow down to Haman? Rava, Rava says that if you're being forced into the situation, 
It's the whole discussion here. We're not going to get into it. Why didn't Mordechai bow down to Haman? It says, There were two like the Medrash says, there were two, two uh, images on, on his heart, on Haman's heart. And also because of Kiddush Hashem. So two reasons, because there were two images on his heart. And also because of Kiddush Hashem. For example, Papas Vululainus, it says there, They gave them water to drink with the name of the Avodazara, it says there in chapter 4 of Mesech uh, with the name of the Avodazara in a cup, and it was a different color, and they wouldn't drink from it. Why? Because there's a mitzvah of Kiddush Hashem, there's a mitzvah to sanctify God's name in Sanhedrin, page 74a. So this is what Toys was Tosus says, and Tosus in, in Sanhedrin on page 61b, which we don't have in front of us, Tosus there says that what was on, what was on, on um, what was on, on Haman's, what was on Haman's heart was not, was not an Avod, was not an Avod Zara. It was not um, an idol. It was not an idol, because if it was an idol, then of course Mordechai, nobody would bow down to it. Of course nobody would bow down to it. But why didn't, why didn't, why didn't Mordechai bow down to it then, if it was not an idol? So here Tosa says, at least in the second answer, is because of, because of Kiddush Hashem. Uh, it's too bad we don't have that other Tosis in front of us to be able to see this. This is a little bit different. I thought I brought it, but I guess I didn't. What? Yeah, yeah if I turn on my recorder though, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna see it. So okay. we'll just it, it might it might restart the recording again, so we'll just leave it. So anyway, so basically saying like this is that Mordechai, Mordechai did not bow down to Haman. Not because not because it was an idol. Because if I mean it does, I don't it doesn't say that but Haman is not an Haman is not an idol, like Toys here discusses before. Uh, Haman was a, was a human, and one is allowed to bow down to a human. Really? Yes, one is allowed to bow down to a human. I mean, you, you ask Rasha? a human to do things for you. Even in Russia? No, that's, uh, Russia's different, but you, you, you ask a human to do things for you. He's a, he's a child of uh, Amalek. I'm sure Mordecai knew that. Oh, that's, that's different, that's different. We're just saying whether you're allowed to bow down to a human in general. You're allowed to bow down to a human because you worship a human. You ask a human to give you something and they give it to you. You thank them for it. So you're allowed to bow down to it. There's no prohibition of Avodah Zarah. There's no idol worship prohibition. You haven't made him into a god. Right? And even if he wears something around his neck, the Torah here discusses it. If you don't make it into a god, there may, not be an, there may be not an issue not to bow down to him. So the fact that, that, so the fact that Haman did not bow down to um, the fact that Haman did not bow down to Mordecai. the Mordechai did not bow down to Haman is because is not is not because it was an Avodah because if if it would be if it, of course of course he wouldn't. 
bow down to him if it was an Avodizar. The question is, the question is, it's not an Avodizar, it's not an idol. Why is, why is Mordechai, why is Mordechai not bowing? We should bow down, why not? Save the trouble. Do you know how many Jews he angered by not doing that because what Haman's response was? He ticked out the entire Jewish nation. Correct. But, did you know that? Correct. But in light of what we're saying, in light of what we're saying is, is that even if, according to halacha, and this is the discussion in Tosis, which we cannot have right now, because we don't have time, and because we only have one Tosis in front of us, uh, there's, also other, there's also other discussions about, we have in, uh, all right, we, we, we have about torture. What was the reason he didn't bow down? The reason why he didn't bow down is because, according to one answer of Tosos, is because he wanted to make a Kiddush Hashem. Because he wanted to sanctify God's name. What sanctify God's name? If you do anything that's against a person who's forcing you to do something. For example, Papas and Linus, they gave them a cup that, that, with water that was a different color and had the name of the Avodah written on it, but they weren't worshipping the Avodah They wouldn't drink from that cup. Because it's a Kiddush Hashem to resist you know, any connection whatsoever to such people. But aren't there these carve-outs, like, if it's a matter of life? Yeah, there's lots of carve-outs. Um, and then um, the impact... That's the- only if it's Avodah Zarah. That's only if it's idol worship. But this is not a case of idol worship, like Tosin establishes. So this is... He's just sort of Mahomet on this point. It's not... Right, he would not be liable. He would not be, he would not be liable for... He would not be uh, obligated to give up his life for this, for example. But he's taking that risk. And he would not be even he would not be even obligated to bow down in the circumstances that he was in, according to Tosis, which we have to analyze well, a little I more. Think if he knew his life was at stake, then he would. Bow. But perhaps maybe we could suggest the following: we could suggest yeah, why is Mordechai life was at risk. the fact we can suggest the following: why is Mordechai not bowing down? He should be, right? So because yeah, Kirsh Hashem. But we're, but the Kiddush, but we're saying is like this: what we're saying is that the Kiddush Hashem here is. What's the Kiddush Hashem is? Is that the, the Kiddush Hashem here is, according to what we're saying, and maybe this is in the homiletics, a little bit of drush. But according to what we read at length now from the altar, the Kiddush Hashem is, is that I'm a Yid. Isn't this the Daniel and, story? What? Is this the Daniel story? Maybe. But this is the Mordechai story also. No, but I'm saying from your Torah knowledge background, if you were reconciling these in an Excel spreadsheet in two columns... Are, are they, are they similar? Yeah, similar. We're all these type of people. Those we didn't right. have a chance to. Dis- we didn't have a. Right. We don't have a chance to discuss this. It's similar with all these type they're of people. Gamblers, right? I, I don't know if it's the gamblers. Is that they're, they're making a statement? They're making a statement that I am a wall. I am a yid. Putting my life on the line. I am a. Re- I am steadfast, committed to my principles, and I don't change. And my life's at risk potentially. Doesn't matter. I don't change. I don't let people push me around. I am making a Kiddush Hashem. I think it does matter. It does matter, but I'm saying that that's not the operating principle. It's not saying whether a person's, you know, principles are more important than, than life. Even though got shafted. Easy, Correct. Right? Correct. Yeah, that, it, it sounds to me that that's, it's just less important. That's, the, that's like the argument with this whole thing going on right now about freedom with COVID. And I say is freedom is worth more than our lives. And that's what he, so whatever the principle of Judaism is, right, of, of what Mordecai was saying, Rabbi, 
he basically is saying, he's not looking at the results in that way. The wall is the wall, right? It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter if he, if he dies, doesn't die. It sounds to me that's irrelevant to him. What's relevant to him is... To Kiddush Hashem, right. he's not bowing down to the guy. Yeah, it's not going to happen, right? Right. Is it? Is it? Is that I'm not going to be? I'm not going to. You know, I I just read I just read a book about the. It's called. It's called. Um, the book is called. A The book is called. A surviving Auschwitz by Primo Levi. So he says that uh, he was in Auschwitz, and uh, one time they were t- they took everybody out. There was a uh, there was going to be a hanging of a traitor. The Germans were gonna, they're, they're gonna hang somebody. So the, the reason why they, they, they were gonna hang this person, and he said he could tell that this, this hanging was very important uh, because this guy was involved in like a cabal. He was involved in a group of people who arranged for, for some explosion to happen somewhere like in the, in the camp or outside of the camp or whatever it was. There was some, some act of rebellion the which Jewish didn't succeed. I, I don't remember whether it was a Jewish person or not. Probably it was a Jewish person. But this guy got caught and there was going to be a public hanging. They were going to make an example of him. Right. So, so, so Premier Levy says that they were out there and they, they were about to hang the guy and he started screaming. He said, he said, everybody should know I am the last one. And then they hung him. What that mean? So Premier Levy says that he said that he was the last one with anything of resistance left in him. He says, me and everybody else in the camp, the Germans can kick us in the face, they can push us around, they can step on us, they can degrade us, they can starve us, and we don't react. We don't have any humanity, he says, left to us, where we say, I'm going to somehow resist. He says, this person was saying that I'm the last one in the camp that's left. And then they hung him. With any resistance. With any resistance. Because he was the one who was involved in that, in that, in that, in that rebellion. That he says, I mean, in the context of the book, as he's saying, in the context of the book, he's saying that the, in order to survive Auschwitz is that you do have to lose your resistance. Yeah. Because you have to go with the punches. You have to go with the blows. And if you don't, good, you're a hero, but you ain't surviving Auschwitz. That's not happening. You play happening. the long game. Yeah. You gotta play the long game, which he did and he survives. That's why he's writing this book. But there's a price for that. Usually, usually there's a price. You're not surviving. It doesn't come for free, right? So, but this is more. This is what Mordechai. This is what Mordechai stood for. Mordechai was the 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 the, the member of the Sanhedrin, a leader of the Jewish people, an example, and he said, "I am not going to be pushed around with this with this Haman fella." I am a wall, I have principles, I emulate the Rabbani Shalom, according to what we said. So even if it's not an Avoy Zara, even if it's not a, technically not an Avoy Zara, and technically, halachically, I'm not going to be held accountable. And we'll work out with the Toysis how that would be. But I'm not bowing down. Do we call that a martyr? Yeah. That's, this is Mar- that Mordechai, and that's hence the title of our class, Mordechai's Re- Re- Resilience. And, and Benjamin was not, was the one brother... I think if I have this correctly, that didn't bow down to Joseph in Egypt when they got there. And anyway, so I think so we're going to... he's gonna... from the tribe of Benjamin, and they have a history of not bowing down. Let's, uh, let's continue the discussion, but we're going to stop here for everybody else's benefit. Freilich uh, and Purim.